0: Hey there, welcome to episode 48 of Money Never Sleeps, a podcast that looks inside the head of entrepreneurs and at what makes them do what they do. I'm Pete Townsend, your co-host of Money Never Sleeps along with Owen Fitzgerald, but with our guest co-host Paul Smith stepping in this week. This episode of Money Never Sleeps is kindly sponsored by Ireland's FinTech and Financial Services Recruitment specialist, Top-Tier Recruitment. If you or a colleague need help attracting or retaining great talent for your FinTech or financial services company, we highly recommend you have a chat with the team at Top-Tier Recruitment as they really know their stuff. You can find them at TopTierRecruitment.com and tell them we sent you. In this episode, we talk to Paul Noonan, Managing Director of Link Asset Services here in Ireland, one of the most well-respected players in the investment funds industry. And I think that his entrepreneurial tendencies have something to do with his success. I've known Paul for a very long time, but we've never really talked about what makes him do what he does. So what better way to figure it out than by featuring him on episode 48 of Money Never Sleeps. sleeps, Here we go again. Welcome to Money Never Sleeps. We're here in WeWork Dublin Landings, in the offices of our sponsor, Top Tier Recruitment. I'm Pete Townsend, Paul Smith, and we're here with Paul Noonan, Managing Director of Link Asset Services and a friend of the show. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thanks, Pete. Looking forward to it. Great to have you here. So here we are finally. Um, Paul, you've confessed that you've never actually listened to an episode of Money Never Sleeps. Yeah, sorry about that. Pete. Which is awesome. I know, I know you're not a podcast guy. Um, you like your books, yeah. right? Magazines? Mm, books mainly. Books mostly. Um, you ready to immortalize things? Uh, yep. All right, good. Um so you and I intersected professionally sixteen years ago. Um in I think we actually met in either Boston or Bermuda. It was in Boston. Boston Boston yeah. when we went up for that training program yeah. together. You were late by about six hours. I was. Um we worked together for two and a half wonderful years. Um and then we went down parallel paths for the next ten years and then went in completely different directions. Along the way, we talked a lot about starting businesses, about what makes businesses tick, Um, a lot of that time over sushi, some of the time over very good quality hoppy beer um, from Ireland, from the U.S. Uh, But anyway, for our listeners, though, tell us about your journey to this point.
1: Yeah, well, I consider myself incredibly lucky. Um, I entered the asset management industry out of college, did a post-grad, and as part of that post-grad, I did a three-month work placement in Bearings Asset Management here in Dublin. Um, I could have ended up in insurance, could have ended up in banking, but I ended up in asset management. Um, So that three-month work placement became two and a half years. Um, And I do consider myself lucky because, one, the company I worked with was One, that it was a great training environment. It taught me everything. Well, not everything I needed to know, but certainly put me on the right path. Um, And also, I was incredibly lucky to to join an industry that was growing. So I think maybe at the time, there might have been a couple of thousand people in the asset management services industry in Ireland. There's now over 16,000 people. Um, So joining an industry that is growing and and has grown um, has been hugely beneficial for me.
0: And what's been your place in that over the last 15 years or so?
1: Um, 23 years now. Um, it, it started off at sort of as you'd expect at sort of junior levels. Um, worked my way up in bearings. I did a, some time abroad. Um, worked there. Came back in the industry. Joined a relatively new startup company. Worked there for a number of years. Um, again, sort that of was Hemisphere. That was Hemisphere. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which you know a lot of people in the industry have you know worked in and, and, and have done well for you know having spun out of Hemisphere. Um, and that was great, another great learning environment and another great place to, to sort of understand the industry and, and, and continue my development.
0: Yeah, we had Karen Malone on Money Never Sleeps. She, we worked with her at Hemisphere way yep. back in the day. And she um, obviously was one of the co-founders of Centaur. We had her on episode six way back at the beginning wow. okay. when we were still recording in Dogpatch Labs. Very good. Um, so she shared her story. And I think we did talk about you on that episode. Oh, dear. And about that time, we went into Karen's office In George's Key here in Dublin. Yeah. um, When we had uh, those ledger breaks, if you remember. I do. I I try to forget them. Yes. Um, And you and I were like, listen, it's not our fault, right? We did nothing wrong. These were the people that came before us. And Karen's like, sorry, guys, you know, your responsibility now, you sort this out. Yeah. You know, and she made that very clear that accountability counts which is Centaur's logo, and I can't believe I just came up with that. Yeah, she stole anyway, it from me. she's uh, <laughs> did she? Um, so when you made the move, Paul, from, um, you know, hemisphere management in the funds industry here, acquired by BISIS hedge fund services, that's where you and I were working together yeah. uh, mostly, and then you made the leap into um, what is the Link business today? But it was the Capita business yeah. uh, back then. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah. Well, look, uh, something I've always wanted to do is, is is do something from the start. You know, you can start with a blank piece of paper um, and see what can what you can build from there. So the opportunity came to set up uh, what what is now the Link business in Ireland, um, two companies, a fund administration business and a uh, manco a management company business in Ireland. Um, and we set that up in 2006, which is what I always say is a wonderful time to set up a financial services industry. You know, it was great, going great for 12 months and then financial crisis hit. So um, I suppose you, you learn a lot going through that crisis. Um, you know, number of funds, number of clients that we had, um, number of opportunities was minimal. Um, you, you, you make yourself lean very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, and once you survive that, you're, you're generally quite well set for the future. And that's, that's what happened to us. So... Um but you know the reason i the reason I left, which was very difficult was to was to do something from start and it's incredibly enjoyable building something from scratch and um seeing it grow um and, and that's that's something I've always wanted to do
0: you've got a there's there's a good analogy there, Paul, with kind of your background coming out of you know um what was a very operational and technical function that mm-hmm. you were part of before you made the leap to start up the capital business here with blank sheeted paper, like you said. Um, And moving into, well, yeah, there is a strong operational technical component of setting that business up, but you're setting up a business. Yeah. And there's a commercial element of that, which is you're the head of sales as well as the head of the business. Right. So how was that transition? Right. From you know, having everything um, you know pretty much laid out for you when you walk in the door each day of a corporate office. To yeah. okay, I've got to get this business set up. Um, there are people that are waiting for me to do this. Yeah, um, and then I've got to actually start selling. Uh,
1: for me, it was you know, hugely enjoyable. The hardest bit was actually sort of deciding to remove myself as much as I could from the, my my core competency and say, right, you, know, you know, I was an operations guy. I, I'm no longer an operations guy. I need to hire somebody to do that and concentrate on the bit that I can do to grow the business and you know while I was operations I did have a lot of client focus um in my previous roles and and, and selling is about clients you know it's getting in front of them is building a rapport building a relationship um and that was that was um that was that was you know it wasn't necessarily easy to do but it was really enjoyable um and and it was just had to be done. I know um, some of the work that we do with startups, one of the hardest things that I see is for an entrepreneur to step away from a, a technical competency to move into something else to grow the business. How hard is that? Uh, it, it, it's difficult because it's it's a comfort blanket, right? It's, uh, you know, something, something difficult hits your desk, hits your email and you go, well, hang on, I prefer to work on, mm. on what I know, what, I, what, I, what I'm good at. Um, it's very difficult to actually know somebody else can do this, and, and I have to focus on the difficult bit. So, yeah, it's 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 not easy, um, but but pretty soon, and particularly if you've got an operational background, you know, you, you, the people who are who are doing the operational day to day basis becomes stronger than you and better than you. So you move away from that, and you you move on to something else. You know, and it's you know it's just natural progression. It m- must be a, a strong element of of trust, almost, in terms of the people that you hire. Yeah, no it is and you know when you with any startup I'm sure it's the same you, you know you need to hire the right people from day one and 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 I'm I'm very comfortable that's what I did um and those people are still with me um I'm very you know proud of that and you know um I, I respect those people so much you know they, they my management team have been with me Ten, eleven, twelve years in some cases, you know, since two thousand and six. Um, so um, I'm, I'm either too nice to them or to pay them too much, or they actually enjoy working for me. I haven't decided yet, but um, yeah, it's it's getting the right people underneath you is, is really key, and and being able to walk away from necessarily say you know what you feel comfortable with and, and looking at the bits that are really important to drive the business forward.
0: Mm. Think, thinking back to your childhood, Paul, would, was there anything naturally that? Um, led you towards uh, becoming more commercial are there are there some personality traits there that you would think you'd be able to link into to say this is something that I could reflect on to say this is why it actually worked
1: uh n- not hugely I mean the the, the the first book I read business book I read and I don't read many you know business books but the first one I read was uh, a book by Fergal Quinn crowning the customer and I love that book um, and it again it, in a lot of things regards to sales and and marketing. It's common sense, right? And 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 Feral Quinn's book was about common sense, but no one had done a lot of what he'd done before. Um, you know, so I think I think you know that 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 was something that sort of made me look at at. know becoming an entrepreneur or setting up my business at least once setting up something from scratch at least once Mm -hmm. um and and you know that was that was helpful in regards to personality traits wow um i I suppose you know one thing i've 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 always been is you know i've never taken something and that's repetitive and not look to improve it right so you know whether it's doing an nav whether it's doing monthly reporting i look at the last monthly report i do and i say well how do i make it even a little bit five percent better than it was last time and i suppose it's it's something that i you know i'd I'd encourage anybody to do starting off is you know don't don't just do the same thing over and over again constantly look to improve it that might be higher quality better accuracy quicker than you did it last time um and that's that's something that i've always had and i think that's really stood to me that that kind of um incremental change that kind of try for incremental change and constantly looking to improve how do you how do you instill that into people that work with you um you know so anytime you're given something to review you look at it and you, you say right you know just don't just look for is it is it right is it is it fine you know is there mm. something else that can actually be made a little bit better uh, and feed that back and, and i think pretty much that pretty soon that sort of filters down through the organization and, and people say you know is there a better way of doing this and you know, technology, the way things have happened over the last 10, 15 years, you know, it sort of helps that, right? There's tools out there now that makes pe- helps people do their job better and quicker, more accurately, reducing risk. Um, and that's, that's, you know, y- you need to be in that mindset now in, in, in the world we live in, you know, because what, what happened yesterday isn't, isn't necessarily the way to do it tomorrow.
0: Mm-hmm. We, if you think about, uh, like you mentioned, you've been abroad here and there in terms of work. Mm-hmm. Um, the places that you've been, uh, and comparing that to working here in Ireland, yeah, um, what were some of the the contrast, the things that you thought were different between the different places you worked?
1: Um, different places to work. I mean, I think Ireland is is hugely, um, you know, and, and Dublin particularly is, is 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 a hugely positive work environment. I mean, I, what's interesting, I did work in Australia for a year back in ninety nine two thousand and you know, I felt that the, the, the way they worked was was maybe a little bit more advanced than we were in Ireland. And however, um, I went back last May and I think it's completely changed. I think, you know, in regards to, you know, how we embrace technology here in Ireland, how we, you know, deal with HR issues, how we're moving towards some more things like agile working, flexible working. I think we're ahead of the game. Um, and, you know, I, when I talk to a lot of people who work for me who come from other countries and, and, and work in Dublin, and even clients who come over and spend some time here you know they 're hugely positive about dublin as a as a workplace and Ireland as a workplace and I, I think you know the, the energy and, and and buzz you get around when walking around you know the docklands area in dublin is, is 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 really exciting
0: absolutely absolutely I think that yeah there there's some definitely some great things going on here i i there was recently for the funds industry itself, there was a report that was put out by a group called Indicon. Yeah. Um, that Irish Funds uh, sponsored, I believe, Irish Funds, the big industry association here in Ireland for the investment funds industry. And The couple of years ago, when I was doing some work for Irish funds around Brexit, we did some calculations as to what was the estimated tax take for Irish revenue or the tax collecting authority here in Ireland from having the investment funds industry here in Ireland being the second biggest fund domicile in uh, in Europe, right, Um, and one of the leading international fund hubs, and. I think IndyCon came out with something like $840 million yeah, I think per annum right. in terms of the tax take per year. Yep. I think we were somewhere around $500 million in terms of our off-the-cuff calculations. Now, we got a bit scientific when we did that, but it was nice to see that actually come out because at the time, two years ago, when that first was talked about, it was like, all right, well, we don't know how much media noise we want to make around this because, well, the numbers are not justified yet. Yeah. But it's great that when they justified it, it came out a little bit higher. It is a very important part of the economy here in Ireland. Yeah. And um, Ireland's always punched above its weight in terms of financial services for a country of only 5 million people. Um, what do you think, Paul, are the some of the areas where we can go even further um, than where we've gone to date here in Ireland in the funds industry?
1: Well, I, I look, I think we've we've always been a back office hub I think that's now changing I think we're seeing a huge amount of companies setting up here in Ireland and you know we need to upskill the workforce um, and still protect what we've done to date but you know it, it is you know the, we've got a wonderful base here 16,000 people working in the asset management industry um, and that's going to grow but I think it's probably going to grow in other areas it won't necessarily just be in you know back office servicing custodian and administration I think there's other There's other um, elements of the asset management sort of food chain that we're we're about to move into.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm getting closer and closer myself now to the other side of the table um, with some of the things I'm working on with a venture fund and seeing the the front office mentality after for years being in the back and middle office. uh, And it's just, it's different, right? Um, Do you think... How how do you think we we start to bring in more of that mindset here in Ireland that is front office geared rather than some of the um, kind of perfunctory roles almost that do exist in a front office around compliance and risk? Yeah, I think but
1: well, we're going to have to bring people in from overseas. Yeah, and I think there's no doubt about that. But there's you know the huge Irish diaspora. Uh, around the world with front office experience who who would love to move
0: back and well, you're going to try to get them to move back paul smith i'm already saying already doing this yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: and uh you know i think ireland and as we said this already dublin particularly is, is a very attractive place to work um you know i think we could do more in regards to um how we tax individuals um particularly when they're moving home i don't think our our income tax um structure is that attractive um and that is definitely uh Pushing companies away that would otherwise otherwise come here. I think a number of years ago we did have a structure in place which got removed. I think we need to relook at that. Um, but it, it, I think it's going to happen anyway. Um, just maybe not as, as big as it could be if we you know, tweak the, the the income tax rates.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. The income tax rates need to come down. The corporate tax rate at twelve and a half percent is already pretty low. But yeah. what's way too high. Are the capital gains taxes especially on entrepreneurs in terms of those that are moving here from other places starting new businesses that are thinking about selling their businesses after it's successful in four to five years t- years time if they actually get it that far um, and then the employee stock option plans as well and kind of some of the more restrictive calculations around that that can make it difficult for employees to participate in the upside yeah. um, of a startup so i think there's a, a yeah there's a number of things that need to be done but there is already such great infrastructure and a great environment here and very incredibly business friendly that, you know, we're, uh, we're in a good place. Are you traveling a lot these days?
1: Uh, I do. I'm probably London, at least twice a month, a um, bit of US a couple of times a year, um, Mainly on Europe, yeah.
0: Okay. How many days a week are you on the road?
1: Um, probably on average, oh, good, about one or two days a week.
0: Okay. All right. And how how is uh, how do you manage that work life balance really between everything you've got going on at home and everything you've got going not only as the managing director um, of Link Asset Services but also as a, a visibly um, active ambassador for the Irish brand?
1: Yeah. Um, look, I think the way the way work's changed over the last few years has made it much easier. Um, you know, the the remote working. Uh, you know the. Telecoms, phones, etc. It means I can work instead of sitting in an airport. I can actually do something, you know. So um, I think that's certainly made it easier. Uh, it's important to have a, a team that you can, you know, rely on back in the office. Um, you know, clients are very comfortable in dealing with that team directly. So yeah, you need a strong support team behind you, um, and you need the the technology to actually enable you to work wherever wherever you end up being, be it an airport, an office, oversee, client office it
0: doesn't matter and and who do you lean on the most oh that's
1: my wa- that's my wife yes yeah diane absolutely shout out to d yeah um no there's there's no doubt about that i mean there's no way i could do what i do without without her
0: and who do you think leans on you um my dog <laughs> is that it yeah pretty much uh, <laughs> what's think, your dog's think, name uh riley riley yeah um after riley nugent no, no, no. no. Uh, so uh,
1: yeah, no, no, no uh, nobody. I don't. Nobody leans on me. So uh, apart from the
0: dog. But you, you do have a history in rugby.
1: Oh, in rugby? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's Ryle Nugent. Piece. Oh, Ryle Nugent.
0: Sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's my American coming through.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I wouldn't be a necessarily a big fan. No. The only <laughs> reason I know about him, yeah. I
0: mean, well, most of it is just mentions in the Russell Carroll Kelly books. Yeah. Yeah. That's it.
1: No, it's not after Ryle Nugent. No. Okay. Good. Good.
0: Good. Good. <laughs> Um, where do you think, uh, in, in terms of, if you look back over your entire career, what do you think, if you can point to one of the hardest decisions you've had to make, mm. um, what do you think that is? Uh, look, I've,
1: I've, I've been in three companies over 23 years. The hardest job has been leaving the previous two. Um, that's never an easy decision and it should not never be an easy decision. I mean, I, I, we, we see it every, a lot, we see CVs hitting our desk where people are jumping every, you know, six months, nine months, 12 months. You know, and, and I don't understand that. You know, you, when you when when you join a company, it should be, you know, I think it should be the last job you ever take, you know, and that's what you want it to be and you need to give it a go. Um, but, you know, in saying that, you know, there some, sometimes comes a time when it's the right time to leave. Um, uh, so, you know, leaving Hemisphere was, was probably the diff- most difficult job I, uh, um, sorry, decision I had to make. Um, it was the right one, um, but it wasn't easy. You know, there's some really good people there. Uh, people I really enjoyed working with, um, some great clients. Um, so that was probably the most difficult decision I made.
0: You may you, you referred to it as Hemisphere, but when you did leave, it was Bisis. It was Bisis, yeah. But we all know it as Hemisphere. Yeah, yeah, I know. Still a good crowd around Dublin of ex-Hemisphere Oh, people. yeah,
1: we, we meet up every now and then. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah.
0: So shout out to Gravesy, to Tomo. Yeah. Um, Minchie. Minchie, don't forget Minchie, and Connor Meehans with you. That's right. After I've got all I've these got, years. I've got a few of them with me. I've got yeah. three, three
1: ex-Hemisphere guys um, working for me and...
0: Um, they're, they're great, great guys. And we, we, we do our best to, to feature, um, some of these characters that have moved on from the funds industry now, Mm -hmm. um, on this show. So we had Shane Brett on, um, back in, I think it was around episode 25. Um, obviously Paul, you and Laura being so active in the funds industry, having you guys on, uh, back, I think it was episode 16 or 15. Um, and just to, you know, just to keep talking about it, because it's a very relevant part of the Irish economy um, that internationally um, gets some good press. Um, locally here, though, in terms of the local startup community and the local business community, um, it's not always on the tips of people's tongues. Yeah. Um, so, But I think it's important that, uh, that it's out there. Right? Yeah.
1: I, look, I think, you know, it's, it's a very Irish thing not to be, you know, putting yourself up on a pedestal and saying how great you are um, and that's what we've done in the Irish funds for so many years but I think that now needs to change um, and I think that recent study the intercon study that you mentioned I think you know that, that's a that's a great start um, you know we should be proud of what we built over over the last 20 30 years here in Ireland um, and we should make make a big bigger, bigger
0: deal of it. So, we're at the point of the interview um, where I know that uh, if Owen Fitzgerald were here, he got called away for all our listeners. Um, that's why our erstwhile uh, substitute co host, Paul Smith, has stepped in today. Thank you again, Paul. Um, Paul, w- what would be something that people wouldn't expect to know about you?
1: Um, I'm allergic to cats. Is that fair? That <laughs> <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. Uh, now, allergic to cats, colorblind. Um, I can juggle. You could juggle. Yeah, that's pretty three things that most people wouldn't know necessarily know about me.
0: Which, which one would be your favorite, being allergic to cats, being color-lined or juggling?
1: Uh, you know, juggling's actually, you know, it's something I, I, I do enjoy every now and then when, when I'm stressed, yeah.
0: And just for all of our listeners, Paul um, thought that when we were going to interview him today that we were going to get a video, so he stressed quite nicely today. <laughs> Thank um, you. If we could actually do the video, we would get him juggling. <laughs> and we would we would push that out over social media. I, I have to ask, what do you juggle?
1: Uh, uh, everything, everything, yeah, yeah, <laughs> except fire Met- metaphorically yeah. and physically. <laughs> <laughs> I-
0: All right, Paul. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. It was great to have you here, um, and I know we will see you again soon. Thanks, Pete. That wraps it up, folks. Thanks to Paul for opening up his mind to help us figure out why he does what he does. Remember, if you or a colleague need help attracting and retaining great talent for your fintech or financial services company, get in touch with the team at Top Tier Recruitment as they really know their stuff. You can find them at toptierrecruitment.com. To learn more about Paul and Link Asset Services, you can check them out on linkassetservices.com or follow Paul Noonan on LinkedIn. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to Money Never Sleeps on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. You can also subscribe via our website to channels like Spotify and Stitcher, so just go to the subscribe page on moneyneversleeps.ie and follow the links. If you're searching directly on iTunes or Spotify, Money Never Sleeps is spelled as all one word. For more info and links, check out the show notes on moneyneversleeps.ie. You can drop us a line on info at moneyneversleeps.ie or at Show on Twitter. As for me, I increase the odds of startup success. DM me on Twitter at Pete TownsendNV if you want to know more. And you could follow Owen on Twitter at Owen Fitzgerald 9. Finally, thanks to Conan Brophy from Create Sound for editing this podcast. Till next time, thanks for listening. See ya. Money never sleeps, pal.